Hey guys, it's me, Emma, and welcome back to Off the Map. So as you can probably tell from the title, um, unfortunately, I don't have Magnus back this week. I'm working on getting him back. I know you guys loved him, but you're going to have to wait a little longer for more Magnus. However, this week I am talking about my tips for cheap travel. So where to book, what to avoid, and... Um, maybe a little bit of uh, luxury travel on a budget kind of stuff. So let's get into that. But before we do that, I'm just going to give you some life updates, um, of which I have a few. So my first update, and this is a big one, is that I started SFE this week, which I forget what that actually means in Swedish. Magnus, can you help me out here? Svenska för invandrare. Yeah, so I started SFE. And basically the process of how you get in is that before you can even apply, you need to have a personal number. And of course, I didn't have my personal number until like February of this year. So it took a while before I could even apply. But I ended up applying in April after I had gotten a few things done already um, with, you know, all of the uh, stuff I needed to do. (laughs) Um, That didn't make any sense. But um, yeah, anyway, back to SFE. I ended up applying in April. Uh, I sent an email asking if I... Did I send an email? Okay, I found it. Uh, I did apply online. I actually sent in a contact form. Um, So if you are looking to apply to SFE, that's how you can do so. And I just googled um, SFE Solentuna and it came up with the form and then you give in some personal information and then they contact you within two weeks to provide you with information about the next coming class. And they did contact me. They sent me a letter to our address and it had the starting date and the starting time. No end time. I had no idea how long I would be there and no real details about what to bring or where to go besides the address. So we, me and Magnus go there on Monday And we get there for 5.30, uh, maybe, you know, a minute late. And I rush in there and the door is locked. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. Maybe I have to wait for them. And then we ended up seeing some other students walking around the corner. And so we followed them in and it took us about 10 minutes to find the classroom. It was like in the back of the building, you had to go through these doors, go down this hallway. I mean, truly like just some signs or like directions on the paper would have been really great. But that's okay. You know, maybe I can propose that to them and, and help them with, uh, with that material. But anyway, we found it and I got in And now it's going to be a twice a week commitment, three hours a day. It is 
a lot for me <laughs> besides you know working uh my 8 30 to 5 30 job so I'm a little stressed but I think it's gonna be worth my time so I'm going to try to stick with it I think it's an amazing initiative that they have these classes for free if you're in Sweden and you don't know that much Swedish, which I certainly do not. Um, I think it's a great way to learn the basics of the language. I actually did take Swedish classes before when I was studying at Stockholm University. I took A1 and A2. I've also used some Duolingo, not that that's a great way to learn I mean, it's a nice way to learn some vocabulary, but you really need to be in an environment where you're with people speaking Swedish so you can listen and speak with them to practice um, to really grasp the language. So yeah, I had those classes and it it really takes me a long time to, to let the basics sink in. I think... Um, now that I have, I'm feeling much more confident about going into SFE and being able to speak some Swedish and practice. So um, I think this is, you know, the third time's the charm. So that's good. And I did learn the alphabet. I was going to sing it for you, but I think maybe that's not the kind of content I want to share. So anyway, Other than that, um, I've also started teaching English again on the side, um, which has been really fun. I only am teaching one student, um, and it's it takes up very little of my time, but it's really fun, and I really enjoy teaching English and being able to meet other people from other places and, and help them improve, so um, it's been fun to get back into that, and yeah, we'll see where that goes, I guess. Lastly, I wanted to give a tip for making friends in Sweden or making Swedish friends. You know, because they say it's almost impossible to make Swedish friends, let alone a group of Swedish friends, if you didn't grow up together. It's very common that people in Sweden have a group of friends that they've grown up together with and they've been through all these things together and they're really bonded And it's really hard to uh, become part of that group. It's almost impossible. So my tip is, if you can't make your own friends, steal your partner's group of friends and infiltrate that. Then you're golden. You have Swedish friends. All right, it's time to dive into the topic. So my number one tip for booking cheap travel, but also just travel in general is don't overcomplicate things. You know how the saying goes, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And this goes for flights, hotels, etc. I always check Google Flights as my source of truth for flight prices. I never use Skyscanner anymore. I have dabbled on it or dabbled, dabbled in it, but Yeah, I just would not advise using it because most of the flights there are from various agencies that I do not trust and I think it's much better and also more beneficial to book through 
the airline's website because you're not going to get scammed, first of all. But second of all, like you can accumulate points, um, join like the loyalty membership. And some airlines have credit cards, for example. You might be able to, uh, if for example, you are traveling to one particular destination often or one particular region in the US, then there are airlines like Alaska Airlines that... Um, you can use frequently, use their credit card, and you're going to build up a lot of points and get a lot of benefits from that that you wouldn't get just picking the cheapest flight you can find online. So yeah, always check Google Flights. It's always right. One app that you may not have heard of that I really like is called Hopper, and that tells you when a certain route is really cheap at the moment or if you should wait a bit longer to book. So I'd really recommend checking that one out if you're able to wait it out before you book a particular flight. And I think it's a really great interface as well because everything is like green, yellow, red. So, you know, when you have a green light to book and when you should avoid booking at all. So really intuitive interface, highly recommend. My second tip is quite similar. Don't book complicated routes. If it's too good to be true, it is. It truly is. If Google Flights is not suggesting the route, it's probably a shitty route. If it's more than a five hour layover, you will be kicking yourself. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. I'm telling you from much, much experience with this. I once stayed in Ibiza overnight for a 10-hour layover, and guys, it was not fun. It was just not fun at all. I also stayed in Zurich airport one night really late and got harassed by this weird guy who kept coming up to me. I kind of thought I was going to get murdered or something really bad could happen, and honestly, something bad could have happened. So I think it's really important to consider your safety. I know it's not something that is maybe top of mind. At least maybe it wasn't top of mind for me when I was traveling. Um, but yeah, especially for us ladies, it's really not worth it. And if you do end up needing a hotel for an overnight layover, it's probably going to end up costing just as much as the better flight would have but it's gonna cost you a lot more pain to have that overnight layover. So just avoid at all costs. My third tip is to book off season, if it's reasonable. I actually ended up getting a flight for around $300, just over $300, one way to Sydney, Australia from Phoenix, just by booking out of season. It was incredible. I think I had booked in March and the flight was set for August. So yeah, sometimes you just can find an incredible deal. Mind you, this was back before COVID. So the prices are quite high right now, but we can all hope that it will go down soon. And of course, for some travel, it makes sense to book off season even if it won't be quite as good as it would be in high season. This is, for example, major cities, big cities where, you know, you can enjoy all of the things it offers, not dependent on the season. 
However, if I was going to Australia for only a month, then I would want to book at a better time of year than I did. Because when I was booking, I was booking knowing that I was going there for a year to work on the working holiday visa. But if I was only going for a month, then I want to go during summer when it's really beautiful and nice and yeah, the perfect time of year in Sydney. And then again, it's super hot in the north, so maybe I'd want to keep that in mind. So I think the key is to do your research about where you're going and all the places that you'll be going to. Like, look at the route. Does it make sense? Is everything going to be comfortable? Is it going to be super hot or super cold? Factor all of that in before you book your flight. Tip number four is to consider when you're going and pick the right place to go with your budget. For example, if you want to go swim with killer whales in Norway, and yes, you can do this, I found out the other day, you can only do this in winter. I know, crazy. It sounds crazy, but there's some reason I forget why. But for certain things, certain activities you want to do, you can only do it at a certain time of year or a certain time of the week. For example, ferry routes sometimes only go once a day. So you have to check those timetables, those schedules. Make sure you know. And always think about what you're doing and what you want to see. For another example, you might not get what you want out of Amalfi Coast if you go in winter, even if it's cheap. You might just want to go in the summer when... Everything is lively and the restaurants are bustling and the weather is really good. You're just going to have a better time. But say if you have a budget, maybe you can't spend thousands to swim with killer whales in Norway. Yes, it costs about, I think, 5000 on a normal trip. Like they go out on these big boats for like eight days and it costs thousands of dollars. Although there is an option to go for 200 for the day, but there's no guarantee that you're going to see any whales. But yeah, if there's something you really want to do, consider your budget and maybe do it somewhere else or do a similar activity where you can go and when you can afford it. Um, for example, you might want to go snorkeling in Croatia instead. Maybe that's more doable, like what I'm doing this year. <laughs> I once stayed in Ibiza overnight for a 10-hour layover, and guys, it was not fun. It was just not fun at all. I also stayed in Zurich airport one night really late and got harassed by this weird guy who kept coming up to me. I kind of thought I was going to get murdered or something really bad could happen, and honestly, something bad could have happened. So I think it's really important to consider your safety. I know it's not something that is maybe top of mind. At least maybe it wasn't top of mind for me when I was traveling. Um, But yeah, especially for us ladies, it's really not worth it. And if you do end up needing a hotel for an overnight layover, it's probably going to end up costing just as much as the better flight would have but it's going to cost you a lot more pain to have that overnight layover. So just avoid at all costs. Another thing to consider, and my 
fifth tip is to stay in the city that you're going to or at least near a point of interest. So as an example, again, I'm going to Croatia with my mom in June, which I'm super, super excited for. And we're going for a week. And when we were looking at booking accommodation, it took us quite a while. And my mom ended up finally booking the accommodation because we were arguing about whether we should stay closer to a city or closer to a beach. And I ended up deciding that I thought it would be better to stay near a beach because then my mom has easier access um, because, yeah, it can be a lot of hassle to get to a beach and then also finding a good beach to go to because we don't really like the pebbly beaches. We prefer sand. And we ended up seeing that there was a sandy beach uh, a little further out from the city where we're going to be staying near. And we ended up booking a place right by there. And I think it's going to be really nice because we have easy access to the beach, but we can also take a taxi and go into the city. So just consider, you know, whether you want to be close to, say, a beach or a countryside or a forest. If you want to go somewhere like that, then maybe book near that site of interest. However, if you know that you're going to be going into a city a lot, you're going to save a lot of time and money that you would have spent on commuting to the city if you don't stay in the city itself. And while certain places like Paris can be quite expensive, I think you're just going to have a much more enjoyable holiday if you stay closer in, at least on the outskirts somewhere. And yeah, if you're going to a new place, make sure you're near something to do or you're going to waste a lot of your time. I've had a few trips where we did stay way past the outskirts of the city and there was really nothing to do there and it just sucks. It's really not worth it. And the only thing that is good about it is getting up your step count. But that's not why you travel, is it? My sixth tip is to be smart and think differently about accommodation. You have your hostels, your hotels, your B&Bs, your couch surfing. I think maybe that's dead. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's the group on Facebook. Girls love travel. People are visiting each other through there. There's tons of places to stay and different types of accommodation you can get wherever you're going. So think about what your needs are and how an accommodation can suit your needs. For example, how many beds do you realistically need? Like if I'm going to go on a trip with friends, I need my own bed, okay? <laughs> if I'm with my partner, fine. But if I'm with other people, I need my own space. I used to be able to, you know, sleep wherever and and deal with more people when I was younger, but now that I'm 27, going on 28, I need my own space. So think about whether you can share a bed with your friends. If you can't, make sure you have your own. Also consider how much time you'll spend at the accommodation. If you're going to be there a lot and you're going to be like cooking dinner there or having drinks there, uh, maybe you want a balcony, then it's worth it to spend a little more and get something nicer. 
But honestly, even if you really love staying in like a nice place, if you're not going to be there, it's not worth it. So my example for this point is when my boyfriend Magnus and I went to Rome. I don't know why I'm calling him my boyfriend. You guys know who Magnus is now, if you listened to my last podcast. Um, But yeah, when we went to Rome in March, my first thought was, let's get somewhere close to the points of interest. So, you know, the good things in Rome. But then I thought about the fact that there's going to be a lot of hustle and bustle. There's going to be families. It's going to be very clogged and annoying in the central part of the city. And I've been to Rome a couple of times, so I know how busy it gets, even at times that are like technically off season, like March. But it's also around the time when, you know, kids are off, people are going for Easter break and stuff. So yeah, it's very busy there. And I ended up deciding that um, Trastevere, which is a still touristy place, but it's a little bit more off the beaten path. And I decided that we should try to stay there. So uh, once I narrowed that down, I also decided not to put as much emphasis on how big the place was because it was just us two and we didn't need to spend a lot of time there. We also didn't need a kitchen. It was great if we had one just in case, but that's kind of how I went about looking at the accommodation we needed. And that really helps narrow down the options when it comes to booking. Also, when I do book accommodation for any trip, my go-to sites are Hostelworld, Booking.com, and Airbnb. Those are my holy trinity. And those are usually what I limit myself to. So I don't like overwhelm and overcomplicate my search. Because if you look at too many different sites, you're going to get lost in the sauce, you know? My seventh tip is to cook with local ingredients. Yes, cook in your accommodation. One of my favorite things about traveling is getting to go to the grocery store in a new place and seeing all the products and the ingredients to play with. It's amazing. Like when we went to Italy, I was so happy to be back. Everything is so different, you know? All the ingredients are so different that they use and In Italy, you have the most amazing food, of course. So take advantage of wherever you're going, find some local products, and save some money by cooking in your own accommodation. So whether you're at an Airbnb or a hostel, um, sometimes even like a and b I don't know, might let you. Just uh, double check with the place before you book it. And not only can you save, you can also enjoy a home-cooked meal, which can be a nice variation in the week or month you'll be away. My final and eighth tip is to book a walking tour and go to some free events. There are so many walking tours in so many cities around the world that are free. And all you have to do is just go for like two to three hours. You just show up somewhere and the tour guide takes you to all the best places in the city. It's amazing. And yeah, they obviously are doing it so that they can get some tips. So make sure that you give them a tip because they work really hard, you know, 
walking all around the city with you and also planning everything and knowing all the stories. So make sure you give them some kind of tip. But yeah, this is such a great way to start off your trip anywhere and it's free, almost free. Um, and you can also check if there are any festivals or local markets you can go to for free. And I love to do this because you can often find some unique things that are going to be a way better souvenir than something cheesy from, you know, the typical shops and everybody has one of them. Yeah, do something different, you know? All right, guys, that's all I had for you this week. But I would love to provide some more of these tips if you thought it was helpful or interesting. Um, And I have a ton more ideas to talk about similar things, more tips, maybe talking about specific places and how to book that. Uh, So yeah, if you would like to hear more episodes like this, let me know, send me a DM um, or participate in the poll on Spotify. And yeah, next week, I think we'll be talking about Swedish culture. So if you have any questions for that episode, I would love to feature your question next week. And if you would like to ask me anything, feel free to send me a DM at at Emma off the map on Instagram and I will answer you and would love to include your question in my next episode. Also, a big request to you guys to rate my podcast on Spotify. It would be so, so helpful if you did and it'll just help this podcast get to more people, which would be the point of me making this podcast. Um, And thank you guys so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Bye.